scripture reading is Proverbs 1 through 4 and 22 through 31. It can be found in the Pew Bible on page 619. If anyone would like to follow along. Does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights, besides the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates, in the front of town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries out. To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. And then we skip to 22 through 31. The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. Ages ago, I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding the water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. When he had not yet made earth and fields, or the world's first bit of soil. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned the sea to its limits so that water might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was his daily delight. Rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and the delighting in the human race. Let's be in a spirit of prayer together. Let us pray. And so God, bless us this day and open us up like a new flower. Open up our hearts that we might be transformed by you. Open up our mouths that we might praise you. Open up our souls that we might connect with you and then bind us together as a community, God. Let some wisdom come forth this day. Amen. So I have to uh, apologize. I've been a little sick this week. Um, so my throat and my voice is not the best, but I will give it a shot this morning. And so from that text, when God established the heavens, I was there. When God drew a circle on the face of the deep, made firm the skies above, when God established the fountains of the deep, assigned to the sea its limits, when God marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside God, like a master worker, and I was daily God's delight. Want to play catch, Uncle John? Please. That's the inevitable and continuous and dependable request I get these days whenever I visit my baseball crazy goddaughter, Bridget, or BJ, in Minneapolis. In the 10 days that I just spent in the Twin Cities, she and I played a lot of catch together. And in the month I'm about to spend there again in just a week as a part of my sabbatical this summer, I know that we will spend hours together out on the front lawn just playing catch, catch. 
Two people stand a few paces or several paces apart. In the case of baseball, hardball, both wear leather gloves, and then you just throw, and then you just catch, and then you repeat. As I said, it's probably among the oldest, the first of games that humans learn to play with each other. It's a great game because you don't need a lot of equipment. You don't need to be on a special field. You can do it on a street, as long as you watch out for cars, or just about anywhere, or in a park. You can do it if you are old or young, or rich or poor, or male or female. If you are a wondrous athlete, or someone just trying their best. In little children, it's a great way to gauge their budding hand-eye coordination. It's a summer thing, too. I always connect playing catch with warm temperatures and sun in the sky and a lazy afternoon that never seems to end. And on this Father's Day, it might be a memory that we hold, maybe even cherish, about our dads, something that we did with them when we were kids, maybe something we do today with our kids or grandkids. Now, my dad was not a baseball player, though he loved the game, and my one and only memory of playing catch with him was a fleeting week when I was convinced that I absolutely wanted to be a catcher among the hardest of positions on the field. And so I pushed and I cajoled until my mom went out and actually bought me a catcher's mitt for something like $20, which was a lot of money. And then my dad and I played catch in the backyard as I tried to break in that hard-as-a-rock glove. And then at my very first Little League practice, I realized that I could never be a catcher <laughs> because whenever the batter swung the bat, I closed my eyes. <laughs> Are there any catchers here? It's a really hard position. But here's the thing about catch that's both obvious and basic. You need two people, two folks, both a thrower and a catcher to play. Catch is never, ever a solo affair one-off, an individual enterprise, a singular activity. It only works if you do it with someone else. It's only fun if you have someone else to share it with, like a mom or a dad or a coach or a brother or a sister or a niece or a nephew or a friend. And, you know, catch can be a very intimate connection. You can play with others, but the best way to do it, I think, is with only two players tossing the ball back and forth. And in the midst of that game, you talk to the other person. You know how you have these conversations, hopefully, in your car, sometimes with your teenagers, where you're both looking ahead? Well, I find that with like, um, some of the young people in my life, that you can have those same kind of conversations when you're throwing a ball back and forth. Um, and so I know BJ and I have had some great conversations, just the two of us, accompanied by the familiar thwap of the ball hitting the glove over and over and over. It reminds me of a scene from one of my very favorite movies that this year is celebrating its 30th anniversary, Field of Dreams. Who here has seen that movie? Okay. The film, of course, tells the story of an Iowa farmer who hears a voice, a mysterious voice, the voice of God, perhaps, emanating from his cornfields, whispering, telling him that, if you build it, they will come. And so this man goes on a cross-country odyssey trying to figure out this mystical experience and eventually realizes that he has to build a baseball field to let the ghosts of baseball players past play the game once again. 
In the film's final scene, one player emerges from the rows of corn who looks oh so familiar, and then the man realizes that the player is his father, a man that this son did not know very well, who feuded with that father the last years of his life on earth. And so the boy asks the man that most tender of questions. Dad, do you want to play catch? Do you want to play catch? Now, I've seen that movie five or six times, and it is kind of sappy, and it is romantic, and I cry every single time I watch that scene. To connect with another, a loved one, to stand at their side, to be with them, to not walk or go through this life all alone, to be reconciled to another, to play catch, I think we all dream of doing just that. We need to do that, to play catch realistically and metaphorically, to know that we were made in this life by God and built in this life to be with and to be for other people. Do you hear that? We all need to play catch with someone else. And what brought me to this realization this week was the amazing and unusual and beautiful Bible passage we heard this day from the book of Proverbs that you probably have never heard before. Now, it's the story of the creation of the world the bringing into being all life, the universe and everything, but with a twist that we are not used to hearing and with details that we are not accustomed to considering. And so we've got God, God who is establishing the heavens and making firm the skies and marking out the hills and the mountains. But this God, our God, did you notice, is not working alone. You see, God's got a partner and a friend and a witness and a playmate and another power right besides God as creation happens. And her name, her name is wisdom, is wisdom. Wisdom is a she. Does anyone know the Greek word for wisdom? Sophia. And so as a pair, as a unit, they both bring forth all living things. God and wisdom as a team. Playing catch in a way, I suppose, as only God and wisdom can do. And I love this image because, of course, it pushes back against the traditional view of God creating, as in Genesis when God creates, but as a solo creator, as one, as mighty, but by God's self, all alone. No one to help, no one to share with, no one to play with. The author Frederick Beekner writes about this alternative creation story by saying, Wisdom is a woman. She was there when God made the heaven, the sea, the earth. It was as if God needed a woman's imagination to help him make them, a woman's eye to tell him if he'd made them right, a woman's spirit to measure creation's beauty by. And I would say it was as if God could not and would not do it alone, alone. God and wisdom, or God and the Trinity, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three powers, creator, redeemer, sustainer. So if God cannot do it alone, this reminds us that we cannot do it alone either, not by a long shot, and I think not at all. It teaches us that the best of lives and the best life is always found in relationships one to another, parents to kids and friends to friends and neighbors to neighbors, and spouses to spouses, and caregivers to strangers. I know that might seem obvious, this ideal and hope that we will always remember that God made us for one another, and yet, 
We forget that sometimes. We forget. Maybe imagine that we got to where we are in this life all on our own, that all of our success is due to our hard work and our talent, and so we forget all of the folks who helped us on the way. Or maybe we imagine that now that we have arrived, we can sit still and not reach back in mercy and love to help the next person in the line, instead living by the philosophy of every man for himself. Maybe we feel solo because we do in fact find ourselves alone, that we are widowed or divorced or a lifelong single or just starting out in life, and so we wonder if we will find another to share life with. Or maybe we spend so much time with and on our technology and our screens and our phones and our computers and our TVs staring at them, looking down into them, seeking a connection but sometimes realizing that for all of this frantic activity, it still leaves us alone, alone. Friends, I think we all, every last child of God, we all need to play catch, catch with another person, to play with another, to love others, to connect to others, to know and be known by others, even God. So as I said yesterday, this church was filled to the rafters, packed so tight, no one alone, and all because a community came together to say goodbye, to mourn a good life, and a good mom and wife and friend and neighbor, Linda Klockner, who died much too young of cancer. And what was so clear was that even though nothing that we could do could take away the emptiness of losing someone so young, in the grief of sudden death, we all did have one thing to comfort us, each other, each other. God always brings us together in life, in death, in life beyond death, but always together, not alone. So the next time that someone says to you, want to play catch, how are you going to answer? Yes. Okay. Because I think God makes us all to play catch in this life, catch, one to another. Let all God's people, catchers and throwers, say, Amen. Our middle hymn uh, can be found on the insert at the back of the bulletin. Uh, It's called Holy Wisdom. Now the tune, if you grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, you will probably know this tune. Um, Or if you ever saw the movie Sister Act, you will also know this too. So, Holy Wisdom. 